Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank descriptions of sex, and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy. Ryan leaned down and mouthed at the sharp hip bone, Sam writhing and making a shocked sound as he did so, and carefully peeled off the bloody awful boxers and tossed them away somewhere, hopefully never to be found again. That left Sam's deliciously hard cock right in front of his face, and Ryan had never been one to miss an opportunity. He leaned forward and aware of Sam's responsiveness so far, thought to put his hands on Sam's hips before he ran his tongue slowly up the hot length of his cock. Thank fuck he did, because the way Sam jolted could have caused a nasty injury. He wouldn't have wanted to have have to explain at the A&E that he was knocked out by a cock. Claire, (laughs) that sounds dangerous. Uh, yes. Yes. Look, there was so many sex scenes in this book that it was impossible to pick one. And like many of them were like they were a variety. They were sexy. They were hot. Some of them were just like the cute fumblings of new love. Like there was a whole bunch. But I thought it's this one. It's knocked (laughs) out by cock. (laughs) Knocked out by a cock. Goodness. Claire. (laughs) We need to do our podcast. Oh. Oh, yes. our podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. We certainly do. Also, all the spoilers. So many spoilers. A veritable trainload of spoilers. Uh, we will tell you what's at the caboose. <laughs> <laughs> We're always interested in the caboose. <laughs> this is the type of podcast where if we were reviewing... Um, murder on the Orient Express, we would tell you what happened at the end. Mm-hmm. If you are not into that kind of thing, we highly recommend you go purchase the book, go read it, enjoy it, don't enjoy it, whatever you want, and then come back and listen to us talk about it. <laughs> Claire. Yes. You picked books. I did pick the books. What books did you pick? I picked Field Notes on Love by Jennifer E. Smith and Blowing Off Steam by Joy Lynn Fielding. And what was the theme? Trains! Trains! And and I just have to say, this was a successfully pulled off theme. Like, there was was no surprises in that, oh, trains was actually only mentioned once. Or like, ugh, trains were not important to the plot at all of this. It was like, no, no, no! Trains were integral to both Trains were very important to both of these books, yes. Well, yeah, I... (laughs) The, um... Yeah, and like pretty like first chapter, you're like, oh, I know where trains are gonna be. So, yeah, great. Yeah. And uh, I love trains. Oh, I love them so much. Oh, um, and I feel like these are both books for train lovers. Like one of them has a whole lot of train talk. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, good lord! That author but, did their research. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm going to have to say, like, if you're into trains, these books are for you. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I have, I have thoughts and opinions, but 
Uh, before we talk about these books, Claire, yes, what yes, has yes. got you hot and bothered? Uh, let me just say that, I don't know, move, the, the, the field of movies that are coming out right now is weird. Like, you never know what's going to happen. You really don't know what movies are like. Like, it's either uh, superhero movies or it's weird. And like, <laughs> and it's just, it's a very odd mix right now. And you're never quite sure what's going to end up in the theaters first and what's going to streaming. And also, I that's no longer a good gauge of quality in a, in a weird way. Cause I feel like there was a time when bad movies that were never going to make it to the theater went right to streaming. Like it was like, Oh, boo kick to streaming. And even before that straight to video. Right. Um, but then there was a, then it switched and there was a time where no, no, no good movies are going right to streaming. And so-so movies that are going to be general crowd pleasers, but are so-so, are going to the theaters. <laughs> and then it was like, no, no, the weird, wacky art house movies and Marvel movies, or Avatar, are going to the theaters. And the middling and bad movies, but are going to streaming. And then it was like, no, 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 no. The good movies are on streaming also in the theater but also it's hard to tell now so it's like i don't know i i i'm having a hard time gauging like and and so many movies are being kicked onto streaming um specifically because they've just been held back in storage for a really long time and they're mm -hmm. like well i guess this has to go somewhere and so then it goes to streaming and you can tell because the actors look a different age than they are now <laughs> <laughs> or it's an actor who's been canceled <laughs> but you know here's their movie or an actor who's died <laughs> like but there's there's a movie now so it's i don't know i as a movie person and a cinema person i just don't fucking know anymore like where to go for the things <laughs> like there just doesn't <laughs> seem to be a place hbo is fucking wackadoodle right now hulu gets some really good stuff and then there'll be a dearth of oh it's not getting shit for a while who really knows netflix will be like we're coming out with all the best documentaries you've never seen we've got you and then it'll be like ah kidding it's all reality shows woo, woo, woo. And you're like oh no and then like i just i just don't know i just don't know and it feels overwhelming to the point where matt and i have not watched a lot of television we have not turned on the tv a whole lot and before i was thinking like oh it's ridiculous to get rid of these streaming services because I I enjoy the HBO. I enjoy the Hulu. I enjoy having Disney. Like I like having them available to me. Now I'm like, I mean, is it worth it? Really? <laughs> what if I just get like Mubi and call it a day? <laughs> like, what if I start just go to the red box and again? rent a movie? Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know. I've watched The Good Place thirty times. Maybe I should just buy The Good Place <laughs> on DVD yeah. and just have it now and not have hulu you know <laughs> yeah because also at some point they're just gonna decide to take the good place off of streaming because they feel like it and then you can never see it ever again i know oh and there's a rumor going around that the writers are going on strike this summer oh and that's in part due to um uh 
studios, you know, like HBO wanting to decide to not put up stuff that they have all ready to go, like stuff that's been edited and completed because they don't want to end up paying residuals on something that isn't going to make money up front. Mm. So they're just chucking stuff left and right because they don't want to pay writers <laughs> anymore. Goodness. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. The only reason I feel that way is because I saw a headline that said, rumors of a strike are ludicrous. And I was like, oh, that means that's probably <laughs> happening. <laughs> Seems more realistic now. Yup. Anyway, so it's not a specific thing. It's just feeling lost in the entertainment smorgasbord that is the world right now. Mm-hmm. And Neil. Yes. What has got you hot and bothered? So there is a uh, performance establishment here in the city, in San Francisco, called Oasis. And they do a lot of drag stuff, and they do a lot of queer performers of different sorts. And I went uh, last weekend for the first time since before the pandemic, and I was with some youngins, and the night got real messy real fast. Not for me. I was standing in the corner being able to handle my whiskey being like oh messy children anyway uh something that was really exciting to me i had not seen this before and of course i hadn't been in a very long time um but at one point in the evening uh two drag queens came out and they like had a slide put up on the back wall and one of them was holding a tray and they're like, Hey, so hope everyone's having a great night. We have like Narcan nasal sprays available for people here. And then on the slide, it was like, here are ways to recognize opioid overdose. And for people who don't know Narcan, uh, when applied to somebody suffering from an opioid overdose can save their life and mm-hmm. often, very often does. Um, so I just was really impressed by this, decision to like be a uh an establishment that serves their community being like here we have these narcan nasal sprays they're like we only have so many but they're free so if you're seeing these signs and one of your friends come grab it take care of it take them to the hospital save their life kind of thing so it's just it was really nice it made me feel good that i'm like i i mean obviously like it's sad that we have an opioid crisis in this country um but it was like, oh, look at you doing community service things. It's just yeah. like in the middle of your drag show. I love it. No, that's great. That is yeah. really good. Uh, I one time called 911. No, I didn't call 911. I called 311 um, because there was a person who was slumped over on the sidewalk and they were completely out of it. Um, I had a, I'd seen them on the street before, so I had a feeling that they were... Uh, that they lived on that particular block more or less like that and uh, i felt bad because people were just stepping over them but they were in the middle and they seemed really out of it and bad so i called and they're like well do you have narcan on you and i was like no and the thought was like wow there are enough people that they do maybe just have narcan on them and Mm -hmm. maybe i should have narcan on me i I imagine it's terribly expensive though because of our fucked up um uh, oh. or fucked up healthcare system. Yeah, probably. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, since moving to San Antonio, I know that Fox News has a lot about the quote-unquote homeless problem in San Francisco, and they talk about it all the time because we hear about that from my in-laws. Um, <laughs> but, you know, for anybody who maybe thinks that San Francisco is the only, San Francisco and L.A., maybe New York, maybe Chicago are the only places that are suffering this, um, uh, I'm in San Antonio, and it's everywhere, and you can feel it. And it is really sad. The difference is that there are a lot of abandoned buildings. Um, and so there's a lot of places that people can find shelter that are hidden. And it's like really heartbreaking to hear that another building is burned down because you can be pretty sure that what happened was on the inside that there was an encampment, something had gone wrong, or somebody wanted to burn them out. And it's like... Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it isn't there. Mm-hmm. I guess Claire got in too hot and bothered. And <laughs> God, two weeks yeah, of sad and, ones. And no. brought the mood right down. Jesus. Ugh. Listen, Claire, let's get on the FMK train and <laughs> get this episode chugging, chugging, chugging. <laughs> yes, please. Field Notes on Love by Jennifer E. Smith. Utterly romantic. Jenny Han, New York Times bestselling author of All the Boys I've Loved Before, the bestselling author of Windfall, A Statistical Probability of Love at First Sight, returns with a meet-cute romance about Hugo and May, two teens who are thrown together on a cross-country train trip that will teach them about love, each other, and the futures they can build for themselves. It's the perfect idea for a romantic week together, traveling across America by train, but then Hugo's girlfriend dumps him. Her parting gift? The tickets for their long-planned last hurrah before uni trip. It's only it's been booked under her name. Non-transferable, no exceptions. May is still reeling from being rejected from USC's film school when she stumbles across Hugo's ad for a replacement Margaret Campbell, her full name. She's certain it's exactly the adventure she needs to shake off her disappointment and jump on to her next start in film. A cross-country train trip with a complete stranger might not seem like the best idea, but to May and Hugo, both eager to escape their regular lives, it makes perfect sense. What starts as a convenient arrangement soon turns into something more. But when life outside the train catches up to them, can they find a way to keep their feelings for each other from getting derailed? One of the loveliest, most touching romances of 2019 thus far that gets at the nature of something deeply buried in our hearts, Entertainment Weekly. This warm, romantic, never overly sentimental story is told with heart and humor, a deeply satisfying read about life, changing journey full of poignant moments. Kirkus starred review. (laughs) That was just a dude. (laughs) Oh my God. The thing was like half as long as the book itself. I know, I know. And I, I debated whether or not I was going to read the bolded parts and just go for like the actual summary. That no, I love that you did that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really rare that we read a book that wasn't like self-published onto mm-hmm. this, this particular format or, you know, it was like a major publisher. So I figured I might as well. That's the love treatment it. you get. Love it. Well, Neil, is yes. that what this was about? I mean, you don't need to read the book anymore. Just read the back of it and save yourself a money. No, I'm kidding. Um, 
Yeah, that's exactly what the book was about. So obviously, we've said this before, whoever did not pick the book does not read the backs of the books before we read them. We just like dive into the books. And as soon as I realized what the premise of this book was, I was so excited. I was so goddamn excited. Okay. So we open with Hugo, who lives um, not too far from London. In Surrey. In Surrey. And he is the youngest of a set of six tuplets. And they've been kind of famous their whole life. And they are just about to go to uni. And some crazy rich guy was like, I love that there are six of them. Here's money for a scholarship so they can go to uni. Um, And... So Hugo's having this sort of like, um, I guess it's an identity crisis. Yeah. I've just like, uh, the rest of my life is just laid out for me. I'm always going to be one of six. And like, he's, they're like quasi famous in the UK. And so he's just like, well, I guess this is what the rest of my life looks like. And he's, he, he's 18. They're both 18. And he's just like, I don't know if this is what I want the rest of my life to be. Like, it's never been a choice. And like, I kind of want to have a choice or like to go out there and see what the choices are kind of thing. Um, and his emotional journey through this book was so well done because it was like, you could feel how badly he wanted to just like go do something on his own for literally the first time his entire life but then also being homesick and missing his family and and things like that and like missing missing the life that he has but also realizing how much he wants to change and it like those conflicting feelings were handled really really well in this book oh yeah i think better than in most books that we've read like mm-hmm. and and that the people going through these emotions understand the emotions that they're going through. Like mm-hmm. understand, like I feel like I want to be free, but I also will miss my family at the same time. And that mm-hmm. makes me confused. And it's like, yes, that is perfect. Sen- that makes perfect yep. sense. Yep. Yep. Cause we also see the, the family dynamic and like his dad is super sweet. His siblings are very supportive. Um, I mean, his mom seems fine, but she's also like, she calls him, she calls Hugo Paddington because he is always like misplacing things and getting lost. And um, so he like has that sort of complex that he carries with him. Um, So the book opens with him being dumped by his girlfriend of four years. Uh, Just before they head off to uni, she got into Stanford. So she's about to move to California. Um, and he's going to the uni in his hometown. Uh, and they had planned this trip where they were going to fly out to New York and take a train across the, the U.S., stopping in a couple places, like stopping in Chicago for a night, and there was somewhere else, and then into San Francisco. Um, and she, she was not a pleasant person to be around. She's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, it's for the best, isn't it? But here, I want you to have these tickets. You should still take this trip. And he's like, okay, sure, I guess. And then he realizes that it's in her name and like the train tickets, the hotel reservations, all of it is in her name and there's nothing he can do about that. So he's like, I need to find another Margaret Campbell in yeah. the world. Because this was sort of a package deal that she bought all together. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, probably, I'm sure there's an Expedia that can absolutely put something like this together for you. Yeah. So she, so there was just, he called places. He tried to figure it out. He genuinely tried and it just mm-hmm. didn't work. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, like, he's he comes from a family of six. So, like, because there's so many kids, they've they've been able to get by on their celebrity and getting paid for gigs. So, you know, like, the family doesn't have a whole lot of money. And then he's he's about to go to uni, so he doesn't have money. So it's not like he can just, like, rebook the trip for himself. So this is his only opportunity. And then we have May, who lives in New York, who tried to get into film school in USC and was rejected. She got into the into into USC, but not the film school. So she's planning to to fly out to LA and then basically force her way into the film program. Um, I didn't really like her very much. <laughs> really? Yeah, like she was fine, but then also just sort of like her her emotional journey felt kind of muddy to me. Like it felt like she was trying to like the writer was trying to accomplish too many things at once with her. Um, and just sort of like, like, I, I don't know. I don't, anyway. So, um, uh, Hugo posts online like, Oh, I'm looking for the Margaret Campbell's of the world. So like, here's the deal, blah, blah, blah. You know, like we'll make arrangements so that everybody's comfortable with the situations, et cetera, et cetera. And he told his, siblings but not his parents so somebody knew where he was going to be um and then i love that may whose full name is margaret campbell but she goes by may had submitted uh like a video essay because that's you know what she does and he was like oh my god i'm like super interested in this girl that's not a good idea. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go with the like 74 year old Margaret Campbell, who seems like a lot of fun. But then she had to have like bunion surgery at the last minute. So I was like, okay, so I guess I will go with this very attractive Margaret Campbell, who's my age. <laughs> um, and then May didn't tell her dads that she was going, but she told her grandma. Or she told her dads that her future roommate. And her were taking the train together, but she told her grandmother and her friend that it was this guy on the from the internet. So I appreciated that both of them had told people what was happening, <laughs> so that there were people who who would like check in with them periodically to make sure they hadn't been murdered by a stranger, etc. This book also, I thought, did um, text messaging and messaging in general really well. Um, I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there. We've talked about other books not being able to accomplish it and others doing it very well. But this one did a really good job. Like, it wasn't yeah. overdone. It felt true to the moment. It also felt like this wasn't the only time they'd ever been texting. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's obviously, like, the family chat that Hugo has is obviously a forever thread mm-hmm. that, <laughs> that is constantly being added to. And there's always chatting. So you did feel like you were coming in on part of that conversation that just happened to be about the plot. And that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but the opposite is true with May, where uh, I feel like because you know, she's a more closed off person in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. So she was not, hers was not as active and she wasn't as Sherry and she ne- never initiated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I sat down i read the first third of this book in one sitting and i was just like oh my god this is so exciting this is so wholesome this is so cute and fluffy and 
it's going to be such a good time because they they meet up in New York and they're both really excited. And then there's, you know, the sort of like, oh, he, he is so hot. Oh, she's real attractive. But she also has my ex-girlfriend's name. That's <laughs> awkward. Um, and then sort of them like m- making arrangements in like in the sleepy in the sleeper cabin. And then at some point she decides to like make her new submission video by like interviewing people on the train based on a series of questions that he had asked Margaret Campbell's to answer to like interview them kind of. So I I've sat down, read the first third of this book all at once. I was so excited for it. And then I came back and then like nothing happens for the rest of the book. <laughs> yeah. This it, is... it, it's, it's a very, like it's too fluffy. Like nothing happens. There's no conflict until like sixty nine percent in when he watches the video that she had submitted and was rejected for, and then she finds out that he watched it, and they fight about it for like five pages, and then it's fine. Um, another thing too, like they were both. Th- this felt to me more like a um. Oh, what's it called? Uh, a coming like a coming of age book as opposed to a romance, because this book was about Hugo and May, each of them sort of like starting the journey in earnest of discovering who they are as people and what they wanted, and then like they just so happened to be sharing a cabin, so of course they made out a few times. <laughs> like the things that they were working on for themselves didn't really interact with the, na- with the with the romance. And in fact, Hugo's thing is him learning to like exist by himself. So it's like, if I want him to learn how to like handle his life by himself, I don't want him to get into a relationship immediately. <laughs> Those things are like diametrically opposed in a lot of ways. And then like, I May's journey is like, oh, I just need to be more open, I suppose. But then it's like, I don't know. But then there wasn't tension about like, Oh no, I've opened myself up too much, but we we have a like a deadline of this. And I think too is we never got an idea of what the happily ever after looks like. And we got us because they they we know they're going to part ways. He's going to go back to the UK, she's going to stay in LA. And so we know that like it's going to end, but like we never get a sense of like the way that we want it to end. Like it's always left very ambiguous, like what we want this relationship to look like. So I never felt like we were striving towards something or like that, that we, the readers wanted something to happen. And then the book was pushing against that to create tension and keep us invested. I don't know if you felt the same way. I didn't. Oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, I do appreciate that the, that it's sort of like an ambiguous, happy ending because like he he decides he's able to like uh postpone going to uni for a year so then he goes down to LA to see her but then also at the same time he's like I want to travel I want to see the world so we know he's only going to be in LA for a little bit anyway I appreciated that the ending was realistic and that it was kind of ambiguous but at the same time I'm like I really want him to grow into being a person and because of who he is and because of how the book has set this up that means he needs to be alone which is like how can he be alone if he's only hanging around LA to be with a girl who happens to have the same name as this other girl that is kind of still in love with after being with her for four years? So 
the ending was ambiguous. Like, you don't know what's going to happen to them next exactly. You do know that he is in L.A. visiting her. And you do know that she's going to start school. And you do know that he isn't going to start yet. He's got a gap year. Um, but early on in the book, there is a conversation that uh, May has with her grandmother. And her grandmother talks about her... Um, herself falling in love on the train on a train with a young GI who was on break on and they were both going to New Orleans they both went to New Orleans they had a good time they made out probably had sex of course not it was the 50s (laughs) and then well no no I mean it was it was the 60s because he went off to Vietnam oh oh yeah they were fucking all the time (laughs) so then he went off to Vietnam where he died and there is sort of a sense like you don't know what would have happened if he didn't die. Like you just don't know. But what that's kind of not the most important thing. Cause the, the moral of that story is that Nana says you fall in love a lot when you're during your life. And that's a good thing. And so for me, what this kind of felt like this, this is first love. This is mm-hmm. real first love that the girl he was dating for the last three years was somebody he was dating because it was comfortable and they were together in Surrey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she even said that in their breakup. She's just like, I just feel like, you know, it was just like momentum. She's like, we shouldn't stay together just because of momentum. So she, so I do feel like he was, and then the way he was able to fall in love so very quickly And the way we talk about heartbreak with other people and other couples, like he's sad, but I never really, the, the narrative really never gave a sense of heartbreak. It -hmm. just gave a sense of loss, Mm -hmm. which is different. Yeah. So I do feel like this is first love. Um, and the ambiguous nature of it, I assume that he's going to go travel the world. I don't think he's going to stay in LA. Uh, and I don't know if they're going to stay together or not. I don't know if they're going to be able to survive like a long distance. And if they do, I do feel like it's earned Mm -hmm. like good for them. And if they don't, I do. I'm also okay with that. Yeah. But that all of those things are why to me, it feels more like a coming of age book than a romance. Like it's about the experience of your first love, but it's not about the romance. Um, I agree. I do yeah. agree. I, and, I, and I see like strictly like when we, we talk about like what a romance novel is and it has the HEA and that these are the two people who are together forever. I agree. 100%. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do think that this is much more of a coming of age, but like I think the also, train, the vehicle for the coming, this particular coming of age is, is falling in love. Right. Yeah. But also too, like, um, narratively in a romance you want the the romance to be what propels the plot forward and that didn't happen here yeah like the romance was part of it and listen i enjoyed it like i wanted these two kids to like find themselves and grow as people especially hugo hugo was just like so sweet and charming it's such a sweet little baby and i wanted them both to like learn these great lessons and 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 do that, but it just didn't feel like a romance to me. So I have to point that out considering the nature of our podcast. I think that's fair. I think yeah. that's fair. I, I do think like anybody who wants like a cozy winter read mm-hmm. or like 
a lovely, I'm on the couch and I've got my blanket and a purring cat and tea, and I just want something excruciatingly nice. Mm-hmm. This is it. Oh, for sure. Like, this also, is going to get you through, like, this, like, every part of this is nice. Even mm-hmm. when they're upset at each other, it's still nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, that's the thing. I was like, I was waiting for there to be conflict and it didn't show up. Anyway, uh, but also, this book has a really great cast of supporting characters. So, all these different people that they meet on the different trains and then that they like interview. And, and Hugo sort of like inserts himself as the assistant director and he's like, really okay sure whatever Uh, yeah help me um and so like when they first decide to uh, or when may first decides to to do this film project she they meet um (laughs) they're paired at at the dining car they're sat with an older couple ida and roy and there's this funny moment where they they ida and roy just assumed they were a couple and they keep talking to them like they are a couple. And they're like, oh. And when they find out not, they're like, oh. And I, I made a note. I'm like, I know this is meant to show how good they are together because people just assume they're together. But older people on a train will just look at a man and a woman and su- <laughs> assume they're together. Because I don't know if we talked about it on this podcast or not. Claire and I took it. Claire surprised me for my birthday one year. We took the train up to Reno overnight. The train ride is absolutely gorgeous. What well, part of this train ride, actually? Like- yes. Um and then they we were sat with this older couple at lunch and they just assumed everyone just assumed we were celebrating or having just gotten engaged and they didn't yeah, nobody so asked funny. us if that was true they just treated us like that was true so i had to point that out i'm like yeah i mean like obviously they would be very cute together but also straight couples of a certain generation just assume a man and a woman or a couple of their together somewhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. But then we like, and what I really appreciated, um, with Ida and Roy specifically, and then all the other people that they, that they interview, like these people felt like really fleshed out people. Like we, we only saw them for a little bit, but they felt like real people. And one of the questions that may was asking in her interview was like, what's a word that you would use to describe love? And so just like getting all these different viewpoints and, and like her learning about that, but then also like us as the readers being like, Oh, that's, that's really sweet. That's really lovely. And there's a passage that I do want to read because it hit me right in the feels. So they're interviewing one of the, on one of the legs of their trip, one of the employees of the train and you know, they ask him what love is and he, he talks about, um, visiting his grandmother in Mumbai when he was a kid and learning to make samosas. One day he hopes to open a restaurant where he can use her recipe. That's love, he says. An old woman making something for one person and then years later, even after she's gone, feeding all these different people on the other side of the world. Yeah. I was like, oh God, feels. Oh my God. (laughs) Because as a, you know, as a a cancer, food equals love. And I was like, oh my God, yes, grandma in Mumbai. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, and there was some really, really lovely prose. There was one passage, another passage that I'd like to read because I'm sure when you read it, Claire, you're like, oh, Neil's going to bring this up. Love isn't magic. It doesn't transcend time and space. It doesn't fix anything. It's just love. Yeah. I was like, ah, love it. So this, there's some really lovely prose. There's some really funny moments. They're all very cute. I just got uh, a little bored through some of it like it slogged a bit for me yeah i can see that i can see that i would say um so this is a ya 
And I would say like there's a lot of irresponsible YA out there that mm-hmm. I don't think teens should be reading. I, I don't think adults should be reading. I don't think they should be on the shelves. This is one I think is good. I definitely think this is an okay mm-hmm. one to pass on to your teens who are looking for a romance that is sweet and easy. You know, it's not that like, <laughs> it's, you know, full of wonderful stuff, full of emotional caretaking, full of responsible emotional choices, even when they're making irresponsible adult choices. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and it's just fun. And it's also recognizable of like where they are. So he's 18, which in the UK means he could drink. <laughs> so he's in New York and he goes up to a bar and he's like, I'll take a pint. And the bartender's like, no, you won't. <laughs> how, old, how old are you? He's like 18. He's like, not till you're 21, my friend. <laughs> and he's like, oh, but I'm from the UK. Does that count? He's like, no. <laughs> so then you see him at a lot of bars because he's going to bars. And he goes to like a lot of Irish pubs to feel a little bit more at home, but and he has to drink sodas. <laughs> oh, and like and, and it's you know, like and and there's no complaints about it. He recognizes that this is just the way it is here, but there's also a little bit of disappointment, and you could just feel because he's chosen to go to a bar to eat. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah no. things. He loses his wallet at one point. And like that it plays into everything his mom says about him. So he like carries that complex around, but then, you know, like it puts them in a unique situation where then may has to pay for both of them. And, and he's like, Oh, I'll get you back obviously. But so, so then there, when there are situations that it's like, Oh, we need to go do different things, but I don't have money. So I guess I'll just walk around. Um, I think, and that was another emotional Point that I thought was really nice when he meets up with his ex-girlfriend in California she's like you know you aren't you know like you know she's like it's funny and we all make a joke about you losing stuff and whatever but you've been surrounded by people your whole life who have to take care of people like you've been taken care of in a lot of ways your whole life so yeah you're just gonna have to get used to being alone and that's okay and i really appreciated that right but then she also was like oh your sister told me that you were coming out here and that you you're taking a gap year and i i kind of assumed that you were coming out to see me and we could start over i'm like no girl no margaret campbell no margaret you had your chance yeah um no i just i i mean and as far as like may's story goes so she she's kind of feeling like why didn't this movie get me into the university and i really just kind of wish that somebody would say you know your movie could have been brilliant and wonderful and there's just lots of reasons other people got in nobody bothered to say that to her which kind of broke my heart a little bit no it was was just (laughs) there's not enough of you in it it feels too impersonal yeah so i didn't like that so much but i did like that that was um sort of a comment on the movie itself I wish it didn't say like there's not enough you in it. It's just like this isn't this feels generic. Might have been an okay mm-hmm. thing to say like this. Yeah, no, the you did all the things. It just feels like a lot of things. Like it's just there's no nothing special about this. Mm-hmm. And like that also is like a kicker in the heart. I really did like the moment though because he because Hugo watched that movie without her permission. Well, he only watched the first 20 minutes. He only watched the first 20 minutes. But even still, like, 
and and he's given an opportunity to say what he thought about it and he says basically the same thing that her ex-boyfriend said which is it wasn't like her it wasn't there wasn't any of her in it Mm -hmm. and and it's like a kick in the stomach to her because she just assumed her ex-boyfriend was a jerk (laughs) who didn't know about good filmmaking well two things can be true uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> he did. He was like, I'm a film critic. It's just like having a TikTok does not make you a film critic. I really <laughs> appreciated that. I did too. And and so I kind of liked, and I also liked, there was, unlike with Hugo, where a lot of it was written kind of out in the open. So it's like, you know exactly what his trouble is. You know mm-hmm. the crossroads he's in. Hers wasn't written that as explicitly in that you had to really see between the lines where she's just like, I will not cry. I will not cry. I refuse to cry. And like, and that there are times where she's, yeah, very open and having a big open conversation. And then it just gets to a point where she's asked to emotionally partake in something and she refuses. Mm -hmm. Like, and you can see it and how she stops and she moves things around. Like even when with the, um, the interviews with people, where Hugo's instinct is to comfort somebody who's in the middle of crying and her instinct is to just push through and to Mm -hmm. change the subject. And to think that Hugo ruined the shot by reaching his hand in. Yeah. So, so instead of living in any single moment where something emotional is happening, like, like when she and her best friend part, like, and they're saying goodbye, uh, she recognizes yes this could be the last time we see each other for a long time and this is the last time we do this specific thing her friend is living in the emotion of it in that moment mm-hmm. and sort of recognizing that and may is refusing <laughs> like mm-hmm. absolutely not we're not going to do that i think even with the breakup with her boyfriend he wanted to live in the emotion of it a little bit. And she was just like, no, I'm done. (laughs) I'd like to not be here anymore. And I'm totally going to kiss you because I guess that's what we're doing right now. But my heart is no longer in this. Yeah. I did appreciate later when she was looking back on it. She's like, oh, it was just like us hanging out over the summer. It wasn't this whole relationship thing. Okay. That's fine. Moving on. Yeah. So then when hugo is there with her and she's just found out her grandmother has like gotten a stroke so she hasn't died yet but she's had a stroke Mm -hmm. and he's like you know it's okay to cry it's okay to be upset and she's like i know (laughs) (laughs) i know and then in her head don't fucking cry may right do it don't do it and in his head i appreciated this he's like it's okay she's not actually angry at me she's just got a lot of stuff going on and her yelling at me just a little bit and asking for space is kind of opening up a little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm just going <laughs> to give her what she wants, which is to walk away. <laughs> I want to, I want to go walk around Chicago with no money. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. So again, I, I wish hers was written a little bit more explicitly and with a little bit more um, tenderness, the way mm-hmm. his was written, but you know, I'll accept it as it is. Yeah. Um, and again, like the train, like we got to talk about this. The train was like, this was how it is to ride yeah. a train. Like this yeah, was yeah, your yeah. and my experience on the Zephyr down to a T. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, they leave Penn station and there's 
a line that goes into Chicago. And then the California Zephyr is an Amtrak line that goes from Chicago to Emeryville, which is just across the bay from San Francisco. It used to go into San Francisco, but there's no train station there anymore. So then, of course, uh, when we when they are pulling into Emeryville, uh, May's grandma has died. And so it was talking about the logistics of her trying to get to SFO from Emeryville. And... <laughs> I was like, oh, forever. It'll take forever. And then at one point, he goes like, have you called a car yet? And she's like, no, I'll do it right now. And in my head, I'm like, that's so expensive. It's so expensive. Oh, my God. I mean, obviously, you know, like, her grandma was one of her best friends. So it makes sense that that she would, like... Also, it's not her money because she's just a student. Right. So it's fine. You've also never maneuvered Bart. Yeah. You got to get a car. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It sucks, but you got to get a car. I mean, and of course, like if you're her parents who bought her the the ticket, you wouldn't know that Oakland is next door to Emeryville and you should just get the Oakland one. But also if it's a red eye from New York, you have to go through SFO. Yeah. 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 Hold on. Oh, sorry. Um, I did I'm sorry, I had a timer going, and it suddenly went off in my ear. And I was like, what the fuck is that beeping? <laughs> sorry, I just freaked out for a moment. We can cut that or keep it, whatever. Anyway, it was only me hearing a horrible sound. <laughs> anyway, I, like, that, but even when, like... I was so excited for them to get to Emeryville because I'm such a nerd that I wanted to see if they actually go to Emeryville. And they did. This author has been to that ugly station. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the best, especially because our our first look is Penn Station, which is like, you know. So and then... um, they and they Union separate station in Chicago. It's so like, yeah. all these beautiful stations and they end at fucking Emeryville, Emeryville. which looks like a strip mall. <laughs> and then they, yeah, it does. And then they part ways and of course of course they booked a hotel in Fisherman's Wharf. And it's like gross, terrible. It's like, yeah, it's nautical themed, probably because it's near Fisherman's Wharf. I'm like, yeah, and it's gross and terrible. Um But then yeah, things work out. He he learns to like ask for what he wants, which is really great. She learns to open up a little bit. Um, and then they're both going to go on to do great, amazing things. Yeah. Fluffy, fluffy, fluff. Yeah. And I think like one of, it does, again, this was, cause hers wasn't written as explicitly like he, his immediate reward, uh, of learning this lesson is that he doesn't have to go to school right away and he gets to have the gap year mm-hmm. like that he's able to ask for what he wants in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Her immediate reward is so much more. ethereal and hard to pin down because her immediate reward is having actually made a movie she really loves (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't get into the college right away because she shouldn't that would make no sense like like, like, there's so many more steps to things that have to happen but it's just that she truly did make something she's proud of and wants Mm -hmm. to show off and is like has her in it and is truly emotional Again, hard to pin down in a narrative how that's a reward. It is, kids. Trust me. It's a big deal. <laughs> hard, hard to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was, that was that book. That was that book. That was Field Notes on Love by Jennifer E. Smith. Blowing Off Steam by Joy Lynn Fielding. Sam Chancellor has been in love with the steam engine Old Best since he was six years old. 
Even when he's lost everything else in his life, he's always had her. But now her place in his heart has been unexpectedly challenged. Her new driver, Ryan Saunders, is the embodiment of all Sam's fantasies. Sam can't believe his luck when Ryan overlooks Sam's train spotter geekiness long enough to suggest a hookup, and he seizes the opportunity and Ryan, with both very eager hands. Finding common ground in their shared love of Bess, their time together is better than Sam ever dared dream. But there's a reason Ryan never talks about his past. <sighs> and when Ryan's job is threatened, Sam's well-meaning intervention endangers more than just their fragile relationship. Originally released by Sawin Publishing in May 2015. <laughs> so, Claire, that is what the book says. Uh-huh is about what is this book about yeah so um sam is (laughs) sam is a very nerdy um 20 something uh who who's a homebody he's inherited uh he's inherited his home from uh his caretaker who was his his great uncle so he's sort of taken on a lot of old man uh, like like <laughs> habits he loves up trains but he is a train man he is a man who will go to a train crossing and then freak out over the engines that are going by <laughs> and just write down his like serial numbers and things and he does it the old-fashioned way which is just in a notebook rather than endless excel spreadsheets which all of his friends on the forums have mm-hmm. um he is a train man uh and he works during the day at a pharmacy uh, which is it's this is all in england so it's sort of like a cvs or a boots but it's not quite that it's a little bit more department store um and uh then he goes home has his cheese on toast and goes to bed and that's pretty much all he does is go see trains go <laughs> and then wakes CVS. up has frosties for breakfast yes and some very strong tea and does it all over again that's yep. his entire day that is his entire life um, one of the things he does go love to do, because there's a train station nearby, is see the trains that are coming and going. But that train station is host to Old Bess, which is a steam train that is very old. And I, I, I looked it up. It's not a real train. Yeah. But I think in the in the world of this book, I think they said it's like the last operating steam train or something, or one of the last ones. So it's like, it's a, it, go, it just goes in a big loop and is a tourist grab. But Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I kind of had in my mind, because there, I know that there's a steam train that they use all the time for like Victorian and Edwardian movies mm-hmm. that they do in England. And it's just one and it goes in a loop. And so like they have to like, every time they film it, I love it. Cause you can see like, they just move the camera so that it's on the, cause it's, it arrives and leaves at the same side of the platform. So if they want to show the other side of the platform, they have to like move the camera so that it looks like they're on a different side of the platform. And it cracks <laughs> me up every time. <laughs> Um, anyway, so that's the kind of thing this is. It goes in a loop and um, Sam loves it. But what he also loves is the new engine driver that has come aboard in the last couple of weeks. And his name is Ryan. I have a question that I don't think ever gets answered. How did Sam know his name before they met? Um, I don't know. Other than what Sam himself says, which is he knows everybody who works at that train station because he's kind of a stalker. Oh, okay. (laughs) That makes sense. Like, he just, like, I think he just asked people. (laughs) Like, he's like, who's the new engine driver? (laughs) I 
<laughs> yeah, I think that's literally it. Okay, oh, that makes also, sense. The other thing is though, um, uh, Ryan's name is also on the website for the train. So the the train has a website because tourists can come and buy tickets. Mm-hmm. And all of the employees are on that. They're all their pictures. Okay. Are. But also that doesn't get mentioned until much, 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 much yeah, later in the that's book. That's like the end of the book. That, so this that whole beginning part, out. I'm like, how did you get his name, girl? What are you doing? Because <laughs> I mean, like that, that could be a fun moment where we see him like braving talking to Val or like, oh, well, he he's on the website every day and blah, blah, blah. Just like. It could have been a fun moment just to like tell us how he figured that out, but yeah. he just like knows it. I'm like, okay, stalker. That's yeah, fine. not specific, but uh, so after staying around all day, because on his day off, he is at that train station <laughs> all so, day, all day after staying around all day. Ryan is getting off the train, super hot and good looking, and just talks to Sam, and Sam is like, holy shit, this is happening! And he's freaking the fuck out. Um, and then uh, at that point, you know, we kind of get into Ryan's head a little bit. Ryan is a bad boy. Ryan is full of dirty thoughts all the time. Ryan is an absolute knob. <laughs> he's an ass. Like, he is not a nice person. No, he really isn't. And he has this it's thing, like, very um, difficult to want him and Sam to get together because right? Sam is a marshmallow who's a sweetheart. Okay, one of my favorite things, though, one of my very favorite things is Sam is not a morning person. <laughs> and Sam's own alarm clock will go off very early in the morning, and Ryan spoiler alert sleeping next to him is like okay well that's your alarm clock we got to get up and sam was like fuck you i'm going back to sleep and ryan's like but it's your alarm clock (laughs) i love that so much i also love the whole thing with mabel oh mabel (laughs) sam because like it's we're in kind of a i get the sense of like it's probably not even a city. It's probably a town or a village. Village. Um, and their only claim to fame is Old Bess. Yeah. And um, uh, Uncle Ken, his uh, great uncle who died, was part of like the gardening club. So the house has a back garden. And so because of that, there's this enormous spider that finds her way into Sam's bathroom every morning. And so Sam will just be like, oh, hey, Mabel. And he'll just like pick her up and put her out on the geraniums or whatever. Yeah. But <laughs> it gets to the point when Ryan realizes this pattern. He like is like, Sam, get the fuck up. Get Shelob out of here because I need to shower and I need to go. <laughs> it was cute. Uh, but yeah, I my very first note that I wrote is Sam is a 12-year-old in a 25-year-old's body and Ryan is an absolute knob. Yes. I didn't, I didn't want them to be together. <laughs> I, I didn't either. Like, it was very Ugh. difficult to want these two to be together. And I would say the first 60% of this book is uh, them being together. <laughs> like, the sex scenes in this book are extraordinarily long. There are two <sighs> things that happen in this book. There are only two things that happen in the first 60% of the book. Um, 
intense descriptions about trains and steam engines and all of their parts and how they work and, and how and, and how difficult they are and how important they are and also all of train forums and how that is a thing and how nerdy one can get into trains and two graphic sex scenes between sam and ryan <laughs> Over and over and over. I got bored with them. I ended I up skimming too. a lot like, of them. I felt so bad. It was like, but they went on for pages and They pages went on for pages and, and pages. it's because nothing had changed from one sex scene to the next. Like there wasn't character growth, plot movement, a great reveal, anything. It was just like sex, sex. Like it was realistic because like they hook up and it's only after they hook up that runs like oh hey how about we go get that pint and then they just like bang forever and it's very <laughs> realistic but like we spent so much time in those sex scenes and there was nothing behind it other than they wanted to fuck each other which is a good starting point but then also like throughout most of the book everything that Ryan appreciates about Sam is purely physical because she's he's a shallow ass bitch mm-hmm. and so it just ugh. Yeah, it wasn't he's great. even and then, like inwardly oh, mean to Sam. Oh my god! The first time they meet, he has Sam has um, a satchel. Oh, what are they? A satchel, which I had not heard. I assume it's like a messenger bag. Yeah. And um, Ryan was like, "Oh yeah, that freakish satchel that he has, and that disaster of a hair that he has. It's so freaky that satchel. He's such a weird nerd freak satchel satchel freak nerd." Like, why are you doing this, bro? Like, what is going on? Uh, also, uh, Ryan's a bad boy with a dark past. The dark past is not even alluded to until, like, 50, 53% into the book. And then it suddenly becomes very important. Um, And I thought I was waiting for a certain scene to happen, which was... So, Ryan comes from money, and he's a party boy, and apparently... Like people will use him, like he'll hook up with someone and then and then they'll be like, Oh, hey, can you get me money or can you introduce me to your dad and blah blah. So he's wary of people wanting to use him, which is fair. I was and then and then every time he's with Sam, he's like, Oh, it's totally different with Sam. I was expecting there to be a moment where Ryan's like, Is he only with me because I drive old Bess and he loves old Bess so much? Right. Is he using me for access to old Bess? Which would have been a really fun scene, but that never happened. And I'm like, no. missed opportunity. <laughs> You're no. too busy begging and then getting weird about condoms. Like, ew, it's a filled condom. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Oh, I'm like, no. You Ryan, gotta get used to it. Ryan is weird about Spooge. And like, <laughs> in a way that no other gay man in any of our books has been weird about Spooge. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I don't oh, know. Filled condoms, gross. Oh, gross. what if I touch his laptop and there's Spooge on it? Which I got, but on the other hand, I was like, no, you've seen Sam. Like, he's, you know, like, he's maybe, he's kind of fastidious. Like, he's got very Also, fastidious. you fucked at this point. Surely you wouldn't mind his spooge. Also, at the same time, if anybody hands me their laptop, I feel like we all assume at some point there's been masturbation happening in front of this laptop. <laughs> we're just all gonna just forget about it. <laughs> I thought that was uh, that was like one of our social things that we all went. Mm-hmm, it's it is okay. a truth We're universally acknowledged <laughs> that a laptop has seen someone jerk off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, 
we don't need to bring it up. We don't. Yeah. Like, nope. We're just going to. No, we don't think about it. <laughs> I do have a story, though. I have an old roommate who worked at the Genius Bar at the Apple Store years and years and years ago. And they had someone bring Jeez. their laptop in. <laughs> and he, he this this person, he had just come back from being out of town. Like he had left for a couple months or something. And he had lent his laptop to his brother and when he came back, then the laptop suddenly wasn't working. And it's like, could you, could you guys take a look? I don't know what's going on. And apparently they opened it up and inside of the keyboard was flooded with lube. <gasps> oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also doubt he gave it to his brother. <laughs> well, that's what the story was. That is what the story was. Oh my God. Well, oof, oof. 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 Anyway, so Ryan's an asshole. There's one point too where he takes Sam in to see old Bess, and literally the sentence is something like, like Sam said something to old Bess, and he's like, "Oh, he's such a weird, freaky nerd for like talking to to a train." And then he remembered that he also talks to old Bess. <laughs> I'm like, "Fuck you, asshole! Fuck the yeah. fuck right off!" I will say, okay. I'm going to get to the plot in a second, like the the bare minimum plot that there the, is. The plot that all happens in the last quarter of the book. Yes. And it gets um, crazy. And it gets nutso. But <laughs> so if we are to subscribe a character arc to either Sam or Ryan, Ryan's character arc is going from... I just like this job because I feel free. I don't have any specific feelings about trains. Two, trains rule. (laughs) (laughs) That would be his specific arc. Sam's would be, I only care about trains. And all of the rest of my life is built around the fact that I can go to this train station and look at trains. Two, oh, you know what? I think I hate my job. <laughs> Two. You know what? I, I think I can grow up a little. I don't think I need to be a sixty-year-old man when I'm in my twenties. Two. <laughs> hey, I've never realized that I can afford to take myself on holiday. Maybe I should do that once in my life. Yeah. When we when we first meet Sam, he is uh, he has never had sex. He has never had a friend. He has never taken himself on holiday, and he has never tried champagne, despite the fact that France is right there. Right there. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, Yeah, he's like, and then he realized he could go on holiday. He can afford it. I'm like, fuck you, guy. Yeah, no kidding. But Uh, I mean, you know, whatever, whatever you got to do. Mabel is probably one of my favorite things, because it is also one of the only significant, uh, like moments of tension between Sam and Ryan because (laughs) Ryan is afraid of spiders and Sam loves Mabel and Ryan makes fun of him in his head all the time. Like how can this guy have a fucking spider as a pet? And Sam is like, if he tries to kill the spider, I will kick him out. (laughs) 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 And like like, Sam is in love with Ryan before they even really meet. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that's huge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And I do like the point because of course, Ryan is like, it's just sex. It's just a hookup. I don't share my life with people to him, you know, having Sam stay over at his place also. He's like, yeah, no, we have to stay at my place for a few nights because I need to get up early and shower and you won't get your ass out of bed to slay the spider for me. Yeah. So. Um, 
So the very thin plot, I'm going to go through this as quickly as possible. So Ryan has this job specifically because his father wanted Ryan just out of his hair because Ryan had done some rich boy antics, meaning he had gone into a club with a bunch of his friends and he had, he and his friends had acted the fool and made a fucking mess and were kicked out. And then a paparazzi was following him around and he pushed him too hard. And so he was charged with assault. So his bad boy antics, dad was tired of that and wanted nothing more to do with his son. So he paid off this like trust with a huge donation and then offered up his son as for the engine driver. There's a scant section where we go like, oh, he took a course. <laughs> <laughs> also, he he gets an allowance from his dad on top of his salary. Yeah. I and the, yeah. the dad bought the bought the flat too. Yeah, so he Ugh. wants this job because it's the first time he's ever actually liked having a job Mm -hmm. it's tenuous at best but we're gonna so anyway he's there his boss comes up to him and is like hey we need your dad to make another donation and ryan is like okay well then just call him up and ask him (laughs) (laughs) and and the guy's like no 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 it'd be better if you did it and ryan's like i'm not doing that (laughs) my dad specifically told me never to call him again (laughs) so uh i'm cool with that like we don't find that out until much much later no it says right away oh did it yeah it says oh i forgot i skimmed a lot of this book (laughs) so he's like oh no my dad asked me specifically not to and then it's more he more or less assumes that our dude is gonna ask one more time and then he's just gonna like and then the dude sort of sort of says like you know if you don't do this you could be fired Mm -hmm. mr cleaver is mr cleaver so uh, Ryan feels that, but he doesn't want to actually ask his dad for more money. So, and then he's like, well, why are they running out of money anyway? At a later point, there's an investigator who comes in and takes place. Like he's a fill in for the other investigator. Every Thursday, the train goes out of commission so that some dude can come in and make sure it's safe. The, the, the substitute comes in and he is like picky and persnickety. And he's like, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. And Ryan is like, Ugh, just get out of my train already. <laughs> Got on my train, God, God. Um, but then he tells Sam, he's like, "Oh yeah, they're having some problems. The trust is having problems." And Sam is like, "Why have to save my train?" <laughs> and so he does some investigation. So then they end up doing some investigation, like because it's a trust that's run by old people who are just in the village. They're able to track down somebody who has just all the paperwork. Uh-huh. And then we have several long scenes, which was a surprise to Claire Rice and Christine. This is why you would like this book because uh. it is financial wrongdoing investigations it's forensic accounting (laughs) forensic accounting and this was also a lovely surprise is that ryan is actually very good at it he just hates it he's like i don't want to look at these numbers anymore but this jackass he's like what is this with the incoming and outgoing expenses oh this company doesn't (laughs) seem real huh It was just kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. And he's like going over like it. He's like in it. And Sam is like, I don't understand a fucking word. <laughs> and then later Sam's like, wait a second. They got, they, they redid a couple of the, the train cars, which means that they had more seats, which means they could sell more tickets. And those weren't reflected in the books. Bum, so bum, bum, bum. it was great. Like 
I loved that Sam's train nerdiness literally saves the day. Yes. In one situation, but then also helps to. move along the investigation. The yeah. only problem is that, like, I knew almost immediately that Mr. Cleaver was embezzling, and I'm just like, just fucking get there I sooner. Know. It was so obvious. It, like, and I feel like, like, Ryan had even said it after that first confrontation. He's like, where's all the money going that they are getting? Mr. Cleaver's probably taking it. And then he practically goes, well, none of my business. <laughs> and so, like, he solved it already. But yeah. But then Ryan does say something later. He's like, well, but assumption isn't proof. Mm -hmm. So as they get closer in the investigation, and this is a huge plot hole. How does Mr. Cleaver even know that they're investigating him? Never gone into. But we do know that Mr. Cleaver has enough power to... Uh, to plant a story about Ryan in the newspaper that is like, oh, this bad boy is driving our old best. Are we going to let him? And then to have a mugger <laughs> come and attack Ryan and push him downstairs and steal his stuff. Um, we never find out who the mugger is. And then later, it's just like, key, uh, Ryan's keys were returned. I'm like, how? Who? Who's this mugger? No. Anyway. So, and that's like, and then... Um, to further like make it look like, and I don't know if it was to collect on insurance or who knows what, uh, the train is, uh, like there's like, it's broken. They like some guy removes the brakes and I don't know how you can see that brakes are removed and how fast you could remove brakes. Cause it definitely seems like Ryan checks the train to make sure it's good to go. And then some, spy dude came around and just like very quickly removed all the brakes as if you had something you could just lift off i don't think you can just like very quickly remove brakes from a train no, but it, it said that things were closed so i think it's like a certain thing has to be open for the brakes from each car to connect Maybe. i don't know i don't like, know i don't know about trains i trust this writer that they did a bunch of research about trains because so. everything else seemed really realistic yeah so Anyway, so <laughs> Ryan. Then we have a runaway train. We have a, a runaway train. Suddenly, Ryan is driving a runaway train, and Sam is the only one who knows it. Sam races around trying to get in front of the train, but can't. There's too many hills in the way. He has to go back to the station. He borrows a car from the girl who's always hidden on him that freaks him the fuck out and who's also in her 60s. And then, <laughs> and then he goes and he. Uh, he drives near the train and then just stands in front of it, waving like the visor from the car and his shirt, just like, oh, stop the train. And Ryan is like, oh, why is he in front of the train? I'm going to try to stop it. Shit, I can't stop the train. At that point, I feel like uh, it should have been pretty easy for Sam to get out of the way, but he more or less refused because he didn't know if Ryan saw him yet. And so then it's very close call. But Ryan is able to stop the train. Sam is not hit by it. Ryan comes out and is like, you could have died. And Sam's like, you could have died. And then they fuck. And then they <laughs> fuck out in the field with Ryan's coworker just on the other side of the train. <laughs> and he, in fact, comes over and is like, guys, you, we got to get going. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan's like, 10 more minutes, my friend. <laughs> yeah, like... Right, it's like I gave you ten minutes already. Like, come on, and he's like, ten more minutes. The weird thing about the sex in this book is that it's either in a bed or outside. 
Like, there's one point where they're, like, fooling around on the couch, and they're like, let's go upstairs. I'm like, okay, fine. And then there's another point where they start fooling around in the hallway, and Ryan has the thought, oh, it'd be so fun to fuck him in the hallway, but we should go upstairs. I'm like, this is boring. And then they, like, hook up in public spaces. So when they're alone in private, it has to be in a bed or out in public for the world to see. There's no in between. Yeah. And I just kept thinking, aren't there passengers on that train? (laughs) No, not that one. Not that it was, one. Because it was the maintenance run. Oh, it was the maintenance run. You were yeah, correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. good. But it, but Simon was there, the the yeah. the coworker. Yeah. Oh my god. But it's like oh. so. Anyway, saves the day. Um, they are the town heroes. Uh, all of uh, Ryan's father comes in and finishes the financial accounting investigation mm-hmm. um, because he's a professional and he gave money, but does not want to talk to Ryan. I super appreciated that that relationship was not fixed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Ryan doing a good job and saving the day did not fix the fact that he has an asshole father. <laughs> yeah. Like Ryan was like the train almost crashed and his dad was like, are you fucking kidding me? You crashed the train. And he's like, no, I stopped the train from crashing. Listen to me. And the dad's like, oh, you're always doing this, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. So appreciated that. Um, Yeah. Maple does not die at the end of the book. Yay. The only character we really care about. And uh, these two crazy kids get together. Um, More or less. I would say the ending to this is also ambiguous because it doesn't you. I really don't know if this should last forever. Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm-mm. But Ryan's not going to move away, and they do say they love each other, and that's the end of the book. Yeah. Okay, so two things that really drove me crazy about this book. One, every woman in this book was awful or obnoxious. Yes. And even when they were, like, so the coworker at the train station, Val, whom he borrowed the car from like sam's like oh my god she's hitting on me all the time or is their first interaction she's like oh you should come out with the girls we'll we'll find someone for you we'll hook you up with someone like she wants to play matchmaker and he's like oh god she's so fucking terrible and then like all the neighbors and like his co-worker like every single woman in this book is obnoxious or pushy or something and the only the only character the only female character who has a redeeming quality which is the one who like gets them all the paperwork. She's really good at baking. Yep. So they'll put up with how, how much she keeps talking and running her mouth because she bakes. And it was so funny because we didn't hear her running her mouth. She literally came in to ask them how they were doing and then yeah. left. Anyway. And then, so that- and then they're like, Oh, she just keeps running her mouth. No wonder that guy was so into trains and kept leaving. <laughs> No wonder he let himself die. Uh, she, so yeah, she is opening her home to you. Like, yeah, and I, I would not surprise me if they didn't have legal access to those documents. But what do I know? And then another thing that drove me crazy: this author loves to put to break up a sentence with dashes and then put three more sentences inside those dashes. Yes. These sentences are so long. I'm only going to bring two examples to the table, but the first one is especially egregious. And let me tell you why I'm going to read it and then explain to all of you listeners what I am looking at right now. Okay. But even though Simon, Simon is the coworker, Ryan's coworker, but even though Simon was the least sexy thing Ryan had encountered since he'd had his balls waxed, once only once he would never do that again the man knew his job 
and I'm going to explain to you. But even though Simon was the least sexy thing Ryan had encountered since he'd had his balls wax, dash, once, period, only once, period, he would never do that again, dash, the man knew his job. There are three sentences inside <laughs> of the aside separated by the dashes. No, you cannot, you cannot do that. You cannot do that. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. It was, it was, it was bonkers. It was, it was bonkers. Um, this book was definitely though written by someone who is English. Um, there were several phrases that were, some of it sounded American though. Um, her presence put paid to their conversation. And I was like, is that Mm -hmm. a typo? And had to look up, put paid to and in England, that is the only place that phrase is used. And it definitely means to put an end to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay, here we go. Here's another one. Wonderful as it had been, Dash, and it had been even more than his wildest dreams, having someone who didn't see Sam as the gay nerd who'd spent half his teenage years with his teeth and braces just to seal his fate as least popular kid in the class, Dash, it wasn't going to happen again. Try <sighs> make sense of that. Try making sense of that. It I was cannot. bananas. Um, I do feel like this book was written by an older person, uh, because there's not a lot of cell phone use Uh huh. and it is scant at best. The, uh, (laughs) these characters discover porn on the internet. (laughs) Oh my God. And it's kind of amazing when that happens. Um, this was published in 2015. So in addition to that like there's just sort of like (laughs) that same sort of uh uh because i had braces i was the most unpopular kid Mm -hmm. every kid has braces now like yeah uh if you don't have braces i mean like every kid has them every kid has them now and it is a sign of wealth Mm-hmm. It may be annoying something. It may not look pretty. And maybe you're, maybe you're the cool kid who, who gets to have Invisalign instead of braces. But I just don't feel like you're a standout and the least popular today if you have braces. That just doesn't feel true to me anymore. Mm-hmm. But if you're like, even in my, like, even when I was growing up, like, it didn't feel like that was something point outable. There was lots of point outable things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like braces was the unofficial uniform of my middle school. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh things like freckles, I also feel are not made fun of in the same way that they were when books were written for us like in the early 80s i read so many books where it's like girls were trying to get rid of their freckles they were so embarrassed about them and i was and i am a freckled person so i was like oh should i be embarrassed about that and then i go to school nobody fucking cared about freckles (laughs) nobody gave a fucking shit about freckles (laughs) everyone was too busy with puberty yeah no everybody was caring way too much about that guy who was wearing a cape (laughs) (laughs) Ah! That was what they were like, whoa. That, that guy, was point outable. That guy is wearing black nail polish. <laughs> whoa. Yeah. Anyway, so that was Blowing Off Steam by Joy Lynn Fielding. Yeah. Yeah, it was. 
Are you ready? Am I ready? Are you ready? Am I ready? Let's play Fuck Mary, Fuck Mary, Fuck Mary, Fuck Mary, Kill. Let's play Fuck Mary, Kill. 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 Are you ready? Fuck Mary, Kill. Claire. Neil. Are you ready to fuck Mary, Kill? I am. Okay, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Um, I'll go first, I guess. Okay. All right, fuck Mary Kill train rides. Mm-hmm. Fuck Mary Kill, uh, the mountains. So train mm-hmm. ride through the mountains. Mm-hmm. Fuck Mary Kill Oceanside. Mm-hmm. Or the Great Plains. Okay. I'm going to fuck oceans. Ooh. I'm going to marry mountains. And I'm going to kill the Great Plains. And I say this only because I, I'm from California. I don't care about any other state. And I have never <laughs> taken a train through the Great Plains. <laughs> I've never seen it. I'm sure it's beautiful. To me, it just sounds flat. And having grown up in a valley where there are mountains everywhere, if the if the um, landscape is too flat, it makes me nervous. <laughs> so. yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I'm going to marry Seaside. Okay. Um, I'm not killing mountains because i dislike going through the mountains because i genuinely do love it you just have to kill one of them um i just have to kill one of them but like the the great plains like they are really really beautiful like coming up on the colorado it's the funniest thing it's when you're in the when you're in the great plains it's like it is flat and then there's just these monumental mountains in front of Mm -hmm. you and it's fucking gorgeous and like it is kind of like yeah it's samey for a while but it's also i don't know it's just all of this incredible pasture land is really beautiful Mm -hmm. and special and i like it Mm -hmm. i like it i have one that's very similar so i might do my backup one as well because we we do have to use characters we say so in our in our thing we say so but you know long time (laughs) listeners understand that sometimes these characters there's man hard sure (laughs) so claire fuck mary kill old bess the california zephyr which again is the train that goes from emeryville to chicago or the orient express oh oh okay I'm going to marry the Orient Express. Fair. Because uh, I've seen, because the actual train is, it's, it's, it's a luxury liner and it mm-hmm. is fucking beautiful. And like, oh, the chandeliers <laughs> on a train. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I just want, I just want to sit on a velvet couch with the tinkling of a chandelier and a gin and tonic in my hand as we go over whatever the Orient Express goes over. Like, <laughs> I just, that's, oh, that's fucking amazing. That mm-hmm. sounds great. Mm-hmm. Velvet couch all the way. Um, and all those, oh, I mean, the births on those things. Oh, it's just, you get a whole fucking train to yourself, practically. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. I would marry that. Um, and I'm going to fuck the California Zephyr because I've done it and it was beautiful and I loved well, it and I want to do it again. Have you done the whole thing? No. Yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. Um, and like, I'd like to, you know, do the overnight as well. I, I honestly think like I could easily get tired of it and I do like the way they did the trip here 
where they were stopping and they mm-hmm. had like a couple nights in a hotel. That makes total sense to me. That's what I want to do across Canada so badly. Ooh. Just like go start on the West Coast and head over and end up in, like start in Vancouver and end up in like Quebec or Montreal City or something and sort of like take a couple nights along the way. Ugh. That sounds Ugh. lovely. I know. I wish I had um, time and money. I'm going to kill old Bess. Um, mostly because, uh, I don't know. It sounds fine. It sounds beautiful. It sounds wonderful. There's so many beautiful train lines that are in England and Scotland, especially that are just mm-hmm. like fucking gorgeous. Um, but old best specifically at one, I think it's okay to kill her. Cause why not? She's had, <laughs> she's had a nice long run. <laughs> <laughs> she's bad for the environment had for the environment um and i've been on steam trains that like there's one in chama that is about a two-hour run and it takes you through like the mountains in northern new mexico and it is beautiful it is incredibly beautiful and it's also like a steam train so yeah there's like lots of smoke (laughs) and it's it's like it's gross (laughs) because it runs on coal (laughs) yeah yeah, 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 and uh, that soot does get on you. <laughs> it's like, oh God, things were so dirty in Victorian times. Nobody yeah, talks about how dirty it was, <laughs> except for those moths. Like, um, people use them as a as a to to like point towards. Um, oh God, Darwin. Wow. What was his What was his thing? Evolution. Theory of evolution. Girl, my brain. <laughs> there was so much happened and not a lot happened i know (laughs) there there was a type of moth that had evolved to uh blend into birch trees in england and so it would like rest on on the bark of the birch trees and you couldn't see it but then the birch trees started getting sooty from like nearby trains and factories and things so then a bunch of the moths kept getting eaten because you could see them against the sooty bark until they evolved to like look sooty as well wow yeah that's sad and incredible yeah i love it anyway so yeah so i'm gonna anyway. kill old best sorry babe sorry babs um sorry, babs. i'm gonna do the same the orient Ex- like i oh, i want to take the orient express i want to solve a murder on it <laughs> <sighs> it's gonna be great um and then yes, the California Zephyr, especially like the observation car and like, oh, it was so lovely. It was such a lovely trip. Um, and then I'm also going to kill old Bess and I'm going to be sad about it. Oh, yeah. I love the idea of you go on an old train and just ride it in a big loop just for the sake of riding an old train. Like that sounds great to me, especially if it's like a wine train or like a murder mystery dinner train. I want to do one of those so bad. Anyway, I love trains. Uh. So I'm going to sad face stab old Bess. What can you yep. do? Uh, and of all, out of all the characters, Claire? Um, oof, it's hard because there's children. Um, but they're 18. They're 18. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm going to marry Hugo. That's fair. Um, I will go on vacations with him. I will go on long trips. I will discover the world with him. I think he's going to have a great time. I think he's got a really good base of support so that if he gets into trouble, he's okay. Emotionally, he's always got someone he can reach out to. 
he's good at making friends. Um, he's good at being personable. He's outgoing. Yeah, he's going to be great. He's going to be fine. And he's he's on his way. And I don't know what he's going to do with his life, but it's going to be fun. So great. I'm excited. I like Hugo. Um, I will marry him. Um, oof. Oof a doof. Um, who am I gonna fuck? You know what? I'm gonna fuck Simon. Simon <laughs> is. He's a man of few words, but he's probably a tiger in the sack. Uh, Simon is Ryan's ugly as shaved balls co worker. Um, <laughs> waxed balls. Waxed balls. Sorry. Waxed balls. Who. His whole job is feeding the engine. Like he's the coal. He's the coal guy. Like his whole job is shoveling coal into the engine. Um, which, uh, so I assume he's a bulky man. Um, but I feel more dad body than mm-hmm. anything. And I'm down. Um, he's a straight shooter. And apparently he also has an apiary. Which, so. <gasps> oh, that's right. Yeah. So I'm down with the bees. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if we're long term, but me and Simon, we can figure it out. So yeah, that sounds and like you'll get fun. some honey out of it. Yeah, um, <laughs> both kinds. <laughs> um, I'm gonna kill Mr. Cleaver mm-hmm. because his plot makes no sense. I don't know <laughs> like why he decided that the best way to make money was to rip off a steam engine tourist attraction. <laughs> I don't know. It, it explained it like in a very throwaway line like oh who knew that he had gambling addictions i guess but uh no i you know whatever i i want to kill him off mostly because he's a stupid villain yeah more than anything and and just an asshole just an asshole who's a stupid villain so Mm -hmm. yeah that is that great i'm gonna do very similar things i'm gonna fuck sam he's real into it and like I don't want to tie him down because he needs to go and travel and see the world and realize that he's a grown ass adult. Um, so yeah, I think I think uh, he also he was a slutty virgin, which I didn't love, but it was fine. Um, I'm also going to marry Hugo. He was very sweet. He was very nice. And then between the three of us. We'll have three different passports so we can see so much of the world. <laughs> It'll be very exciting. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And then his family seemed really great. His dad sounded like one of the nicest people in the world. Oh, Maybe yeah. I'm going to marry his dad instead. <laughs> anyway. Um, and then I'm also going to kill Mr. Cleaver because he was such an asshole. And then like... I was just so frustrated that it was obvious what he was doing for so long before our characters even did anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And the books, Claire? Um, well, I think... Uh, I'm going to fuck Field Notes on Love. Um, I actually really enjoyed reading this book all the way through. I think it was exactly what I needed. Um, I really did like... Mo- like yeah i agree it did get slow yeah i agree the ambiguous ending didn't quite fit within kind of expectations but honestly like i really liked it i really enjoyed it it was a quick fun 
very comfy read, very comfy read. Um, and blowing off steam, uh, like this is hard because there's part of me that's like, I did not like this book, but part of me that's like, you know what? I kind of did like reading it. <laughs> um, and I think in a surprise twist, I'm going to fuck this book. Um, <laughs> if only because, I mean, of some of the small things in it that were just treasures that I can't get out of my mind, like Mabel, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. like the moment where it's like, the moment where he's like the brakes have been cut or whatever it was, I did not expect something so big like that to happen, and I gasped out <laughs> loud because it, it came out of absolutely. It didn't come out of nowhere, but just like it escalated so quickly, so quickly, it went from zero to a hundred at the drop of a hat. And like it was, I don't know, like it was not a good book, folks. This was not a good book, <laughs> but. <laughs> What I also didn't expect was that it was going full throttle, pun intended, into trains. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. In normal cases, I'd call this bathtubbing. But honestly, it was like, no, that's what this book was for. <laughs> like, no. Guys, if you were train nerds and love them trains, please read this book and tell me if it's accurate. Like I want to know. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to fuck this book. If only cause it was exactly what it seemed to say it was going to be. <laughs> Love them trains. I also appreciate it. Cause I remember us talking about uh, the cover and you're like, Oh, the, the train looks old fashioned, but the man is very modern. And we're like, Ooh, I wonder. And it is true to the book. <laughs> it's a modern man driving an old fashioned train. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to fuck Field Notes on Love. Like, to me, it's not a romance. So as a romance, I'm going to kill it. But as a book, I'm going to fuck it. It was really sweet. It was fluffy. Parts of it were slow. But, like, I enjoyed all the characters. Except for Margaret Campbell. But we were supposed to not like her. So the book did its job. Um, so yeah. And it was just really sweet and 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 nice. And then uh, blowing off steam... You can this kill is it. really it's okay. hard. You can kill it. It's okay. I know there are, I, like you said, there are parts of it that I like. Like there's one point where they're hanging out and Ryan joined uh, Sam's train forum. Yeah, and he I was got like him all riled up, going out of his way to prove this guy wrong all the time. And they and they would just pass the laptop back and forth between them to to like switch profiles or whatever so that was cute but also like ryan's a knob and a shallow bitch and like i cannot deal with it also those enormous sentences that labyrinthine they were um so i'm gonna i'm gonna kill it i feel like it was really close to to something i'd want to fuck but it's not it's not quite there so i'm gonna kill it yeah no, I think that's what, that's good. That's good. But yeah. hey, Neil. Yes. Is it time for our favorite game? It is time for our favorite game. It's time for Christine Gas. <laughs> Great, love it. Love My everything about it. On it. We are like <laughs> perfect. In sync. In the can. Um, listeners, I just want to point this out before we continue that Christine has gotten the Rona. That and fucking bitch got me. Suffering from it. <laughs> she finally got you. 
took three years but she got me oh okay so we'll we'll make this quick okay so our next books are the last place you look by aurora ray that's fun to say and nicholas the lords of Seder, book one by elizabeth amber oh my goodness the lords of Seder. yes s-a-t-y-r not s-a-d-e-r oh okay it's not a jewish meal (laughs) that's what i was thinking okay a goat man from greek mythology oh is it greek mythology no okay (laughs) but that is a good thing because mama loves her some greek mythology so maybe that that should be next so lords is it lord or lords the title is nicholas the Lords of Sater, Book One, by Elizabeth Amber, and The Last Place You Look by Aurora Ray. Oh my goodness! I don't know. Um, I mean, there's part of me that wants to say, like, are we doing fairies in modern London again? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why. I'm just like, is that? Where we're I mean, I I've already read all those books. <laughs> Especially the gay ones. They they have been read. I've already bought it and read it. Um, well, I want to say it has something to do with, like, God, I keep thinking of, like, Pan. And what the heck is Pan the god of? He's, like, the god of chaos, right? Um, and parties? Forests, yeah. revelries. Theater. <gasps> right, no, theater? Dionysus is theater, oh, darling. Because okay. then I'm like, <laughs> like, what is hidden? Like, what is invisible? Is it wind? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't pose a riddle to you, Christine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, I know I really am approaching this like what's black and white and red all over (laughs) (laughs) the last place you look I mean my first thought there was detectives but we've done like detective and investigations already Mm -hmm. last place you look well that's not to say that there aren't detectives but that's not what the theme is okay Oh, a hint. That's a not a hint. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> last place you look, and Nicholas, the Lord of the Dance. <laughs> Lord of <laughs> Seder. Oh, man. Oh, you know, I just, I, feel, I have nothing. Nothing is coming to me. Zoos. No. <laughs> no, that is a fun one though. Um I don't know. I I think I might be out. Okay. Do you give up? I do. do you give I don't up want there? to. I give up. Okay. The theme is vinters. Oh, like so like winemakers? Yeah, so people who own vineyards. Oh. So Seder would have gotten you there if you'd kept going right yeah but mm-hmm. yeah um but the last place you look the last place you look what does that mean 
it's a, I think it's I a think it's like, like love is the last place you look. Oh, yeah, but I, I think it's like if I remember correctly, it's like a woman has to go back to her family vineyard after her life kind of falls apart. So it's like sort of a back home romance. Ah, I and then see. Nicholas, the Lord of Satyrs, Satyr Book One is he is a satyr and he also owns a vineyard. <gasps> oh my god! Yeah, yeah, amazing. I'm oh, really wow. excited. Um, listeners, Christine obviously still has a slight fever <laughs> and, and it, I can only tell you, like, we have a Patreon where we do extended episodes where we hear notes from Christine and I can only say this one is going to be a gem. <laughs> like, I'm so, excited for the, the wandering musing. <laughs> Tell, tell the listeners where they can listen on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash FMK Lit Pod. You do have to type in the URL. It is hard to find us on Patreon because we say dirty words. Yes, 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 yes. So, yeah, um, listen to Christine's fevered ramblings. Oh, that's a good point. And then give us, a, give us a little bit of money. We'd really appreciate it. If you can't do that, rate review subscribe five star review tell your friends all of those really great things every little bit helps uh and we really appreciate you and your support indubitably Mm -hmm. so i guess um there's nothing left to say except that if you can do so safely and consensually and uh straddling the engine of a locomotive oh (laughs) choo choo train in it (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>